0: Quick announcement before this episode got some good stuff for you guys here. This episode, we are joined by Mary Mosier, licensed marriage and family therapist, and a person with diabetes living with T1D. She previously visited us on episode 199, where we talked a lot about therapy and trauma and grief associated around diagnosis with diabetes. And we realized there were a lot of things that we didn't have time in that episode to cover that are instrumental to a person with diabetes journey with mental health and also starting therapy. So for November, 2022, National Diabetes Awareness Month, we're dedicating our content towards mental health. And we have a new page on diabeticsdoingthings.com, diabeticsdoingthings.com slash mental health. So slash mental health. And on that page, you can find all of the episodes in this series with Mary Mosier, but also, we're going to be posting previous episodes related to mental health on that page. And most of all, during November 2022, we are giving away four scholarships to see Mary Mosier and to get five therapy sessions with her. So four scholarships, five sessions each. Say that five times fast. Four scholarships, five sessions each and In order for you to win, you must live in California. So what I'd like for you guys to do is to, if you live in California, go to DiabeticsDoingThings.com slash mental health and enter the giveaway, or send it to someone that you know with diabetes living in California. There are five episodes in this series, and the first episode is also broadcast in Spanish. So it's our first Spanish-only episode on the podcast. So shout out to Eritrea and for Mary Mosier for being willing to do that in both languages. So again, check out DiabeticsDoingThings.com slash mental health during November, National Diabetes Awareness month, 2022. All right, let's get to the episode with Mary Mosher. Okay, as we continue with our mental health series, we have Mary here who is going to talk to us a little bit about grief and also how grief is related to a life with diabetes. So I think just for starters, like how can we talk about and how do we define grief, especially in a therapeutic and a mental health practice.
1: Yeah, so when when we talk about grief, we are acknowledging a loss, right? So that experience will will bring up every feeling and for some of us it'll it'll bring anger, it'll bring depression, it'll bring anxiety about the future and we all experience grief, so so differently. So I know that when we talk about like the stages of grief, it isn't linear. It isn't just like I marked and passed phase one. So let's move on. That's not how it works. It's kind of on a spectrum and it oscillates back and forth, right? Where we might start in with denial and then move to anger. Then we might bargain. Then we might experience depression or like crap, like I need to stop avoiding these feelings and and to a, a, a later stage is is accepting right what what that life is gonna look like, knowing that it's gonna be different, right?
0: I I think too for me, I was very fortunate in like most of the early years of my life to not have to deal with like a true major loss, especially of someone close to me. And I think losing my dad a few years ago now really was that first kind of like real discovery of like that cycle and you know it's not did not overcoming denial one time. it's not getting over anger one time. it's not reaching acceptance one time because it does like continue to flow and it is on a spectrum as as you mentioned. Yeah. and I think that was like really my first understanding of like cycles and how they work as, how they work for us as people and not always in our control as well. so, you know, even years and you know they I think the the cliche is time heals all things um, that's true, but not if you stay in that denial phase, right So yeah. you can you can unfairly handicap yourself by not really addressing that grief and 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 you know staying in that sort of denial phase.
1: Yeah, I mean, we certainly want to acknowledge like, Sometimes for, for some of, for some of us, the denial phase is like essential given our lived experience and it really serves, especially in the survival, survival mode period of the grief where we're kind of like powering through, powering through. Cause that, that feels a little bit better. Not that it feels good to be in denial, but that is more manageable than all the other feelings or experiences that we're having but you you are completely right. Like if we were just in denial, we wouldn't be able to move through our emotions and we would be stuck. And that would affect our, our ability to function and engage with people and work and love our loved ones, right? If we're just kind of avoiding this, this change in our life, right?
0: For me as well, I think that I had to learn and I fortunately, this was actually one of the kind of triggering events that caused me to really dig into a longer term therapy practice with with my therapist was my first response my my denial response looked more like compartmentalizing uh, mm-hmm. and for me that was okay well i'll have time to grieve after everybody else does and after i make sure that all of the things are in order so i kind of like that was part of my grieving process was fixing all of the the aftermath and kind of being the go-to person. And, and that was, I d- derived a lot of worth from that. But months later, I realized like those compartments, just because I'm compartmentalizing them in my mind, doesn't mean that they're not related. It doesn't mean that they're not crossing over. And so, you know, it doesn't just look like denial, anger in a vacuum, yeah. but those things definitely affect the other, you know, interactions in your
1: life. For sure. Cause like the, the point of denial is like, to to self-protect, right? Temporarily, like in in, in numbing and as we're experiencing this confusion, like we're we're shutting down in many ways. And sometimes it looks like we're completely fine where you're like, I'm okay, it's okay. Um, You might be forgetting, you might be procrastinating, you might be avoiding. So that's how it can certainly present itself in different folks. And again, it, it definitely does oscillate. I know for, for sp- folks with diabetes, sometimes when I'm working with with younger folks or folks that are diagnosed with maybe type two at a later age, they're, they're not checking their blood sugars. They're not um, bolusing or taking their medication because they want to pretend like it doesn't exist. And, and that's their state at that given time.
0: Totally. And I think, Recognizing and we've talked a lot about awareness, asking yourself kind of where I am in my grief cycle related to one event or another.
1: Yeah.
0: I think for me is just a good practice, is like, okay, well, why am I feeling this way? And you know, what what caused me to feel this way? And really digging into like, oh, well, you know, this reminded me of something that I had forgotten about, or you know, there was even a fond memory sometime can tr- can trigger grief in someone. Sure. And I think you know, with somebody with diabetes, like obviously this is diabetes focused. And we've talked about how closely related mental health and diabetes are. Mm -hmm. There's a component of grief too, no matter when you were diagnosed, whether that's as a very young person in your case, or, you know, in your teenage years, like myself and kind of in between for Eritrea, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, there there's grief associated that that can be lifelong and that cycle may not be very aggressive at times, but it certainly rears its head from time to time.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's absolutely true. Cause I think like, again, some folks will think like, "Oh, the stages of grief. And that was just kind of written as a way to understand grief, not to say like, this is the flow. And if you're not in this particular flow and doing these steps at this particular time, then something is wrong with you. It was just a way to understand grief. So it, it does for sure, ebb and flow. And it is, Often most heavy and painful in the beginning, and then we find how to move with that grief as we're learning about ourselves, as, as we are learning to accept and to feel our feelings, and to really build that self compassion. Because I know that word or like self love or self compassion gets thrown around, but we do need to kind of love on ourselves when we experience grief, and just in general, as human beings, we need a little tenderness whatever experience that we're having, but specific to grief to be like, gosh, this is hard. How can I love on myself, nurture myself?
0: Acknowledging that difficulty. I think yeah. we've talked about that a lot on this podcast, even my own contributions to kind of like the toxic positivity around diabetes, like certainly there it it exists at the same time. I think that there is a, a benefit to kind of finding the good in all of those situations. At the same time, it's also exhausting. So getting to understand the balance between those. And uh, I think you you mentioned it on a previous episode.
1: Hey,
0: if you didn't get a good night's sleep, recognizing what you need in order to feel good in that moment, because you're acknowledging like, oh, hey, there's going to be a difficult day ahead. Let me fill myself up with the things that nurture me. I think that that is something that is a really, really like salient practice for somebody with diabetes, because some of, you know, we talk about controlling what you can control. Mm -hmm. There are some diabetes variables that, you know, despite our best intentions are outside of our control. And what do you do when that happens is, you know, I think a really good question to ask yourself because certainly it's going to happen.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think we're, we're all so different in that way. So (laughs) to like specifically say like, you have to do this would not, would not be ideal. Cause I think we, we need things in, in different ways. Right. So for me, like, because I I've been doing this work on myself and like connecting with myself and my body, I know that if I just spend a little bit more time in the sun or like right now I have this window on my, on my right side and on, on maybe on a tougher day, I make sure that that window and that fresh air is coming in a little bit more than in a day where I'm feeling neutral or just fine. Right, so like even, even just that piece of acknowledging, hey, this is really crappy right now. I don't see the silver lining and that's okay. And, and also like, it's okay if you can't find the good in it. Cause sometimes like, and I know some people like to use the phrase, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes there's no reason and that's okay too, right? Like that we, we don't necessarily have to find the, the silver lining in all the things. And that's, that's, I think it's good to just say like, yeah, this, this does suck, but what do I have control over? What can I do despite like this incredibly high blood sugar and I'm doing all the things, how can I create ease or how can I enlist someone else to help me on this very tough day? If we do have that resource, right? So
0: when you're working with your patients, I mean you mentioned for you, it's your window sunshine sunshine, fresh air and, and nature and a connectivity to that. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the methods that you know you and your patients use to address yeah. those sort of micro moments of grief?
1: Yeah, so I, I know with a lot of folks that I work with, especially if they're needing a, a a bit more of that like self-love support, we might acknowledge that something is difficult. so someone might might say to themselves, I know it's hard and I'm learning to love myself through this. For someone else, it might be I'm listening to Rage Against the Machine and dancing around in my room because I'm so angry that today is just feeling so crappy. I think music playlist can be helpful. I know some folks will want to do some somatic touch-based things, or maybe they're putting their hand over their heart and... They're acknowledging that it's tough and that they deserve better and this is going to be a rough day. But what can I hold about me that is still good, right? Because me not controlling my diabetes every day doesn't make me a bad diabetic or a bad person, right? And And also, who do we follow? Who do we follow on Instagram? Because sometimes like seeing all those happy people with like, look at my pump, like that can be really annoying. So even just paying attention to the media We follow, because I know some folks with chronic illness, with diabetes, they tell me that like, it's really annoying to see people looking so happy. And I'm like, I'm sorry, don't go on my page because I'm doing something. I'm posting myself looking happy with diabetes. Follow me, follow Eritrea, come on over to Depression Central. (laughs) (laughs) Girl, yours are positive too. But just like, it's okay that not every day is going to be rainbows and sunshine because it's not meant to be. We're not always meant to be happy all the time. But like, how do I take care of me? What does that look like A longer shower, me telling my mom or asking someone for help because I don't want to pay attention to my blood sugars or the carb counting. Can my partner do it? Can my sister do it? Can my friend do it? Because we're going to go out to dinner. Like, can someone take a walk with me? Like what, 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 what could be helpful? What is, what is the thing that is in your control? Because I think we're all trying and we can acknowledge that I'm trying, I'm trying, even though it sucks right now.
0: Oh, that's such a good thing to acknowledge. Like, oh, I'm putting effort. And I think that's sometimes for me personally, the times where I feel the lowest is where I am putting a significant amount of effort into something that I know is going to be good for me, but I'm not seeing the results yet. Or maybe the results just aren't like as cool as they would have been, you know, or, you know, they're not as straightforward or as binary as like, oh, if I do bicep curls, my arm muscles are going to look, you know, big or whatever, or look, you know, toned or whatever. It's more like, uh, and, you know, for me, like I a, a really like silent journey I was basically on for the last three years is like opening, unlocking mobility in my hips, which is not like a thing that you, you know, as a, as a kid in pre-K, you know, wish for as like the, your, you know, who you want to be when you grow up is like, oh, I want to be a person with mobile hips. And yet at the same time, like it has unlocked for me, like a very pain-free life that I have worked really hard for and had to celebrate minor, like very minuscule gains in, And that was an interesting practice for me, but you know, I'm I'm on a rabbit trail now. I want to come back to the main thing. Like also you don't have the things that you do for yourself to comfort yourself in those moments of grief uh, or in those moments where you're feeling low, don't always have to be like super positive or like adding to your you know, health or wellness or, you know, a quote unquote, right thing to do. Sometimes it could just be like watching a movie or watching, associating by watching a TV show or eating a snack that, that makes you feel good. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know I'm kind of like a psychopath and like all the good things that I do to try to keep myself in the right frame of mind and my ability to meet the demands of my life. But Mm -hmm. I also am a real person. So sometimes I just need a bag of cooler ranch Doritos. While I'm at 7 Eleven, you know, you just need something to like yeah. you know, get a little do- dopamine hit, get something that's like, you know what, I'm going to take five and address my needs as a person before I get back to, yeah. you know, whatever it was that was stressing me.
1: Yeah. Cause the goal is not like, I'm never going to be non judgmental again. And even like the way that we speak of it. So you like, you eat your Cool Ranch Doritos, right? Like it doesn't have to be like always salads, right? Or like it doesn't have to be, for me, it doesn't have to be nature. I think one thing that people don't realize, even like with watching that TV show that we've seen 20 times, it is comforting. It's and, and it for some folks, it can be a disassociation or a distraction, but for other folks, it regulates our nervous system because we know how it starts and ends. And sometimes that's what we need to see over and over a few times, right? Or like, I go to the same coffee shop cause I know the people that work there and I know how this is gonna start and end. So, you know, like knowing what to expect can be really comforting.
0: Well, we are, we're humans, we thrive in a routine. Uh, yeah. And that's like an important part of our, you know, biology. So, you know, creating those predictable, controllable kind of moments that you can depend on is mm-hmm. really important.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: So from a patient perspective, you know, if you're dealing with grief or you're feeling grief and, and mourning sort of your old life or your, or something related to your diabetes, like, what's a good way to bring that up in your therapy practice? If you haven't done so already, or you're looking to sort of look for more help.
1: Yeah, definitely using your own language, but just like even saying, you know, I, I realize that I'm having a hard time. With this transition from being pre diabetic to me, like, and I need to process what future me is gonna look like or what me in this moment is gonna look like. Because I had this idea before we started, and now my dream needs a little adjustment. It doesn't mean that that dream is gonna 100% change, so we can still do the things, but the pace might look different,
0: right? I love the way that you frame that because a huge benefit that I had, and I've talked about it a million times, but it's, it bears repeating is at the beginning of my diagnosis with diabetes, my care team came into the hospital room and they said, Hey, the dreams that you have for your life are still within reach. But there was a change. There was like, as long as you take care of your diabetes and like a new, you know, this new kind of variable. Mm -hmm. And I needed to hear that because me, I'm like, I I'm a a thinker I break things down into the steps to make them happen mm-hmm. and so that then it became okay well my dreams are on the other side of this diabetes management I want my dreams so I better apply that same you know dedication to to the diabetes management so yeah. it's it's important to remember though that like your dreams the change can be difficult and like is unfair and I think acknowledging that as well is very just important as a person.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that because we, it is important just to say like, this is hard. This is was was not what I was expecting and I need support in this transition. I, I need support in knowing that I can still be me with this diagnosis or with this change or with this experience that I just had that has shifted my, my worldview a little bit.
0: Well, I think too, it's a really good parallel along with diabetes is talking about grief and talking about mental health in general. Because I think for people like me who are very like task and type A oriented, we think like, okay, well, if I do these things, eventually I will reach a finish line and a level of mastery where I'm not going to need assistance anymore. I'm not going to have these problems because I've mastered them. And you know, like, I don't know, just life really doesn't work that way. It's sort of just one unsolvable problem after another, after another. And the to-do list is never going to be empty. And you put down your pencil and you, you know, t- look out your window on a grateful universe and it's all in balance. And so, I don't know, I, it took me a lot of work to really relieve myself of that notion that one day I'll be perfect and I won't need this stuff anymore. So yeah, I, you know, I think it's, it it was a really interesting parallel between life with a chronic illness that is never ending and life with struggles and challenges, never ending as well as grief, which, you know, comes in ebbs and flows and, but really you carry with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then also knowing like with those, with those struggles, there are shifts that are going to happen again, like. The the heaviness isn't always gonna be like at the first moment of diagnosis or the first year of diagnosis. We will learn our bodies, we will understand them a little bit better. And maybe knowing that our our blood sugars fluctuate and we have these like highs and lows of blood sugars and also our mood. Like, how are we staying present in those moments that are extra good? How are we savoring those? And then when they're hard. What's 1% that I can do to decrease this for just a little? Like, what's the thing that I can do? I I can't take this away, but what's one thing that I can add to create ease or, or comfort for me, even if it's not something major or, or longstanding, just enough to kind of help me get through that day.
0: I love what you said about 1% better. I think that's a, a mantra that is applied A lot through this type of work. And I think it also really resonates with that lifelong marathon, not a sprint type mentality where if, if today I can, I'm only comparing myself to myself. And if I'm showing a step forward in the right direction, like that's something to be grateful for that. That's a win that I can celebrate it may not be a a big push, may not be a giant celebration, but there's one thing and I'm applying myself toward that. And I feel validated in that effort.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I don't think we validate those small wins enough. I think we always think about the big things. Like I graduated college, I bought a new car or I got married or whatever it is, but it can also be like, I worked through this, like unnecessary cycle that I'm letting go of. And or I'm practicing non non judgment and that's awesome. Or I did this on my own. Or I did this with the help of people for the first time. I like advocated. I asked for help and that's that's growth for me, right?
0: Well, I think too, like how much of those are external validation versus internal validation? Yeah, you know, like I celebrating yourself when
1: the The internal stuff is the long standing because like when we think about like internal and external, like deep versus superficial, like. The internal stuff is, is the things that make the biggest difference in our life. Not like the cool car I just bought, although that's awesome. If that's a life goal, you want that cool car, but how are we resourced to kind of move through the world outside of the cool car? I
0: I think too, something I've learned recently is, you know, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. So what's important to you is what's important to you. And so, you know, if, if you're having a hard time giving yourself credit for something, maybe you just need to reframe those priorities just internally and, and, and be mindful and be curious about maybe why that is. And, and I think when you are engaging with that, that is mindfulness, that is mental health, that is, that is the meditative state. It's not a finish. And and there is no big celebration. No genie pops up and is like, congratulations. You figured it all out. Welcome to bliss and harmony. But that really is that like, oh, I recognize this. Mm -hmm. I have sat with the feelings and I'm able to take a step forward. uh, Mm -hmm. And and I am in control of, of making that change. So this is. For those listening, this is the last of our November twenty twenty two sessions with with Mary Mosier. So I, I did want to express my gratitude for you for taking the time to spend with our with our listeners and for all that you do for your patients, but also people with diabetes. So thank you. So thank you for your time and your guidance and and partnership with diabetics. Doing things that it, it truly is wonderful to be able to work with you, and it's exciting to get get to open up other possibilities for people like us who could use some help and some inspiration and some tools.
1: Yeah, happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me.